0: An Irish Independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment
1: or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel anytime.
0: Sjachtan. An indo Time in one year to Agussúlagamm a máachchan seo ggur féidir é chur inúigh ceart lena winter Skilti fis turme
1: Tá sérese si nach betoch, ara i gcónambeán an che sinna eá.
0: Bhí antám a ginn á rah áátum.í sé á san leiú agusflechtt sin ná í b á sin marh. Seaachtan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave, 1919, 1920. There's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks now i'm nicola talent and you can listen to my podcast crime world wherever you get your podcasts
1: i love your painting how much is that that's painted on sheet bed sheet all right yeah and did you do that are yeah? you the yeah, artist yeah, yeah all right yeah, yeah and did you do this the I've queen done
0: all of them yeah all of them oh, I that's cool yeah and
1: when, <laughs> when people love that here in ireland well. <laughs> uh. I
0: don't particularly like the guy, you know, so it kinda of shows, you know. Well, you're Scottish, obviously, yeah. Oh, indeed,
1: yes, oh, indeed. oh yeah, Come here. sorry, I half recognise you. Are you um you're David Archer, are you? Who are you? My name is Paul Williams. I'm a journalist, a crime journalist here in Dublin with the Irish Independent.
0: In March of last year, convicted UK sex trafficker David Archer arrived in Ireland to start a new life. Your name used to be David
1: Turner, It's not right? You were convicted. You want, you, you know all stuff? I was just wondering what you're doing in Dublin.
0: Confronted by the Irish Independent on a busy Dublin street last summer, Archer went underground. Until now. Hello? Hi, how are things? I got your number on a flyer. Oh, yes. Yeah, help help I'm down at Percy Place and I need a bit of painting and a bit of small jobs like that. What kind yeah. of stuff do okay. you do? Um... Painting, plumbing, tailing, all that kind of stuff. Having resurfaced with another new name as a handyman with access to unsuspecting people's homes, David Archer is now on the run from Gardaí. I'm Fianon Sheehan and today on the Indo-Daily I'm joined by Paul Williams, special correspondent with The Irish Dependent, to look at the desperate motivations of a man of many identities. Paul Williams, this is a man of many names and identities. Who is David Archer and what are his crimes?
1: Well, David Archer, we understand he's about 60, although he would claim that he's also 71, 72. He is originally from Scotland. um, But how he came to public attention was that in 2017, he was convicted and sentenced to 13 years for running a multi-million pounds uh, brothel business. Uh, he was operating five brothels across central London, uh, but his in, his convictions were apart from running the the the, the brothel business, but also f- he was also convicted of trafficking vulnerable uh, women, f- uh, impoverished women from places like Brazil and Eastern Europe, and luring them into the UK with the promise of work and steady jobs and he forced him into prostitution. When he came before the courts, they were also told that how he had forced some of these women to pose for explicit pictures so he could then advertise their services online, but that they were forced into having sex. And he also then, as a result of that, I was convicted of a number of counts of sexual assault So, and making millions at the same time. He was turning over an average of 2 million euros a year, and he may have amassed anything up to 18 to 20 million euros Over the period of time, he was in the brothel business, which we estimate was about six or seven years. So he was, in every sense, a thoroughly uh, unsavoury character.
0: And Paul, originally Scottish, and these activities all took
1: place in London. That's correct. He was originally a ship's draftsman operating in a shipyard in his native Scotland and he changed his name from David Grant to David Archer. Now the police at the time, the Metropolitan Police in in London said that they believed he changed his name around the time that he was building his business and that would have been around 2011, 2012. So he was in business up until 2016 anyway when the police raided um, his properties. And by the way when the police did raid his properties uh, they got tipped off by one of his sex workers uh, who said he was holding a young woman against her will in his luxury home in Wanstead. And when they broke into that house, certainly they found a young woman locked up and terrified in a room. They also discovered a CCTV system which he used to secretly monitor activities in his five brothels and as well as that, about 140,000 pounds in sterling in a press or whatever. So that was that was the end of him as a brothel keeper. But he was sentenced to 13 years. He served just six years. He got out last year, we understand. And he came here to Ireland th- this time last year, last February. So what brings him to Dublin and what was he getting up to here? Well, we don't know what he got up to here. The suspicion is that he came here to set up a brothel business. You met him, though, last summer. How how did that encounter come about? Well, how we encountered him was that when he came here, he rented a property on De Street in Dublin using false documentation. And he basically started renting this property out which he wasn't supposed to do to tourist backpackers at a knockdown rate and people couldn't believe from all over the world that they were getting this incredible price for a place to stay right in the heart of Dublin which is one of the most expensive cities in the world and he literally crammed this building full of beds I was in it uh, last summer uh, and he basically had three double beds in some rooms, and people were coming in randomly to, you know, this kind of nonsense we hear about people being asked to share beds and rental accommodation. But this is what he was doing as well. A number of women who left reviews, particularly one review that sticks out now, they've been expunged from the internet since, but one woman from America described an extraordinary experience with him whereby he was really sleazy and coming on to her and she arrived and she was after coming off a flight, a long flight, and she was tired. And she literally did a runner in the middle of the night from the place. She didn't want to be near this man. So the owners of the building started getting calls from people about Airbnbs, what are you talking about? And they got a private investigator in who's next an guard And they discovered, apart from what he was up to, they also discovered who he really was, which obviously were very, very disturbed by the Gardaí were contacted. So in early June last year, he was arrested for breaches of the Sex Offenders Act, which you're mandated under that act, if you're a sex offender of any kind, to to present yourself to the local police authorities, which is the Gardaí and be placed on this, what's called the Sex Offenders Register. Uh, he was arrested for that. He was held in custody for some days. In the meantime, he was evicted from this building on uh, the Street. And he was released um, uh, from custody to appear again in, in the district court on the 28th of July. He didn't appear and a warrant was issued for his arrest. After the, he was arrested in, in early June, uh, we basically caught up with him. And when we caught up with him, a van was bringing his worldly belongings from this place he'd been thrown out of. And if, the van was instructed by him to go to Stevens Green. And we were watching this saying, okay, he must be, he must be living on Stephen's Green or he must have another vehicle there so we can follow him uh, wherever he's going to, to confront him. But they started taking these paintings out of uh, the van and hanging them on the railings around Stephen's Green. You know the way artists display their wares and sell them there. And um, we were watching this and one of the paintings was of Boris Johnson with a Pinocchio nose. Another one was a very very fetching one of of Bono uh, emblazoned against the tricolour. Another one was of the Queen-looking Decidedly sinister and dark, and so we walked up to him, engaged him in conversation, and said, "You know these paintings? How do you do these?" "Oh, I paint them myself." And um, so then we turned the conversation and said, "By the way, you are David Archer, aren't you?" "Are you back in the prostitution business, or you were just thrown out of a of a building that you illegally rented around the corner on Delair Street?" Well, and well, last well, week, well, we a bit? yeah, no, last, last week way. you were arrested for not registering on the sex offenders register.
0: So. Sure. You, so were, you
1: were arrested last week by Angarashyakana. So,
0: so it's about?
1: You're a you're a convicted sex offender and you're a brothel keeper, and you were done also for sexual assault, four counts of sexual assault. As you can hear from the audio, he didn't want to answer any questions about that. What about you not registering? I'm,
0: I'm not telling you anything at all. Really, thank you
1: very much. So, significantly, what happened then? He went to ground after that, but particularly, obviously, the police are now looking for him. He's officially wanted on warrant. But what we discovered over the past few months here in the Irish Independent is that he didn't do a runner. What he did was literally move around the corner from where he was. So he's basically moved from Stevens Green literally a couple
0: hundred years down the road. And, and, the street. and what is he at now? So he's gone from artist to? Uh,
1: handyman. Handyman, okay. So he set this company up and we traced it that he set it up in September and it was specializing in archi- architectural activities. There's a number of very strange things about it. One was that two directors who were who who uh, named on the the CRO forms were actually out, women from outside EU, which seems to be a sort of a, a pattern in his life to team up with women from outside EU. He literally saturated the whole Dublin 2, Dublin 4 area with leaflets and flyers and posters advertising his wares that he would do basically any kind of work for you.
0: For well, that kind of thing, um, we usually charge 70 euros an hour. Okay. And how many staff have you done that for that? Uh, two. Two staff, okay.
1: And he did this, and he rented a basement premises on Baggett Street. But the point about it was that, number one, he could go in and set up a company using Jeff Boat. This is his new name, Jeff Boat. So he set up a company under a false name, uh, and him with the... The, the track record and background he had, gaining access to people's homes, including homes where women lived alone. Like this guy, if there was a proper regulatory system in place, he'd be he put in jail for trying to even do that. So he's been operating for about five months anyway, completely unfettered, hiding in plain view, uh, and he had claimed to have a number of uh, tradesmen working with him. Um, but from what we could see, and what we've been told by some of the people who hired him is that neither himself or the tradesman seemed to know very much about handiwork, that's for sure. So, uh, how did this operation come to an end? Well, it came to an end officially in early January. This couple who were desperate to get a tradesman, so they rang this number and it was Jeff Boat, aka David Archer, very happy to hear from them, arrived on foot the first day to meet them, to have a look at the job. They wanted painting and carpentry done. And... Um, Immediately, the woman, you know, she felt very uneasy with this man. She was instinctively happy that her husband was there with her. And that's one of the threads of this man's life. Every woman's ever dealt with him. She's so very, very uncomfortable with him. And he, the other things he did, he was talking about, he stayed for about an hour yapping away. He went off. He agreed to do the work for 70 euro an hour, which apparently is very cheap at the moment. He came back then two weeks later with this Eastern European guy who claimed he was one of his tradesmen. Uh, and when he was in the house, he said he wanted to be paid up front in cash, and said, "No, no, we're not going to do that." And then he said, "We're not actually going to pay you in cash. We 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 pay everything on the phone on, on direct transfer." And this is where they, they it all falls down because he said, "Look, I can give you the IBAN and details of my business partners' accounts, and that's David Archer." And he left the premises and left the handyman to do a bit of work. The one woman went upstairs googled them. I found the story we wrote from last June about this guy and was immediately shocked because she saw the picture and she heard the voice because she played the podcast from that time and she rang the guards. Juxtaposing to that was that myself and Mark Codron, the up, we had been catching up with him again and been watching him and literally the day that we were sitting outside, we rang this number, the handyman service said we we got a random address, an apartment block we were going to use around the corner and said will you come and meet us to give us a price on this job. Sure,
0: sure, well I'll come round and have a look at it and I'll give you a price for
1: it then, shall I? We were going to confront him again. but. Literally, right in front of our eyes, about six or seven guards with battering ram arrive to try and arrest them. And then it gets even more interesting because, literally, as they're trying to get into the premises he was in, the door only opened out so the guards couldn't smash the door in. And he disappeared out a back door. He left everything, including a piping hot cup of tea on the table that he was drinking. Um, he left his diaries, he, his phones, uh, even his wallet, but didn't leave his passport. So the belief now is that he did a runner and may have left the country.
0: It seems that the guards also found a range of documents when they, they raided this
1: basement. What did they find and what was of interest to you? Well, the first thing they found was a diary and he literally had the most recent appointment, which was to meet myself and Mark Condren uh, at 2.30. They also found documentation, the guardy, which they suspect he was in the process of establishing a new business here, which was a brothel business. And it, it may have been in contact with, again, the same MO again as before, women from outside the EU. But also on top of that, he surely ha- cherished the coverage we gave him because he had a printout of the Irish Independent story we did on him last year. But one of the issues about this, film that really is concerning is that you can set up a company if you want, which gives you immediately a sense of legitimacy when you design cards and say, this is my company, with no checks or balances. And he was literally hiding in plain view, but the fact that he was given and had unfettered access to homes where vulnerable people may have been living. Everything we know about him, he's a thoroughly unsavory character, but just even by virtue of the fact that any women who have ever met him describe this feeling that he was exceptionally creepy and he gave them a bad feeling. Like, there's nothing charming about this guy.
0: While we we talk about there being a sex offenders register Mm. and this is supposed to offer society some form of protection,
1: it doesn't really? The very fact that this guy was striding around the streets of central Dublin for five months and advertising himself. And we do know that um, a former Garda who was aware of him, contacted us again about him as early as last November, had been in touch with his former colleagues to tell them about this. And nothing was done.
0: You spoke to this woman who, to be fair to her, rumbled this guy who reported him to the Guardian and so on. But what is her feeling now about, about her
1: dealings with this person? When she discovered who he really was, she went down and told the handyman, stop working. Your boss is a convicted sex trafficker, and he seemed shocked. But the first thing he did, apparently, because he said, look, well, I'll finish the job. You can pay me directly. Uh, He wasn't too concerned. He He was shocked, but he wasn't too concerned about your man. But then he had to ring Archer and to tell him, by the way, this woman here wants us out because she says you're a bad man kind of thing. So he arrived at the apartment where they live, and... She said, you are not who you say you are. And the husband was there as well. You get out. You bring your man with you. And his reaction was nothing to do with the sex trafficking. He just, it went over his head as if he was sort of oblivious to it. And he basically said, well, so we're not going to get the work done. Is that what you're saying? And that's all he was concerned about. And he left. And then obviously she rang the guards. But what she was really concerned about was if I was on my own. This man could walk into anybody's and initially she was concerned that the Gardaí weren't moving fast enough but they did move uh, after a couple of days and they got their ducks in a row and they went after the guy and he got away and there's, there's no fault in any of that these things happen um, the belief is that he may have left the country now he has a difficulty in that if he's operating on his passport there have been alerts put out in all the ports and seaports and, and the airports and that that he may have a difficulty going through the UK because the UK authorities do want him and they will put him back But he served only six years of a 13-year sentence. He should serve at least another two to three years. And he is clearly in breach of the terms of his early release from prison. So I would say we haven't heard the last of David Archer yet.
0: Nonetheless, he does seem to be short of money. And Mm. he's now on on the Garda radar. So you think he's probably left Dublin?
1: They reckon he's left Dublin. We understand from the UK that the UK authorities are still trying to get at his money. Now, there may be a difficulty for him to get out of his money as well, but we understand that he emptied his bank accounts within a very short period of time. What money he did have was gone. But the woman we talked to and interviewed, she says that it was very, very clear he seemed to be strapped for cash. He didn't care about being rumbled for being this nefarious sex offender. All he was concerned about was would, would he get 20 euro for the hour that they were there?
0: What about, you said the article was found by the the garity in the apartment hmm. what does that say about him that was he keeping that in his legal files did he like the
1: attention was he concerned about it? what does it say about him psychologically he would very much fit into the paradigm what we call a a, a con man like con men tend to have this dissociation goes on, going on in their heads that they dissociate themselves from the world around them and detach themselves and are largely deluded but you have to remember as well that he was probably justified in feeling that he could work with impunity because like after we did that article, there was no more mention of him. He was out working around the place. He'd set up the companies that he wanted. He'd he rented a place. He was marching around the city doing bits and pieces of jobs. And uh, he clearly felt that he'd gone away with it. I'm, I'm standing here in plain view and nobody's spotting me. So I'm, you know, I can do what I like. So he probably kept it as a memento as well. Hopefully he's a few more cuttings now for his library.
0: And my thanks to Paul Williams for joining me. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today's episode of The Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle and Dave Hanratty, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from the Irish Independent. If you enjoy The Indo-Daily, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review. in an indó the Indian time they Mon come to the world and have a they Gurfader live in our new series in Fis
1: Winter theme. I want to
0: move you in the world because we have problems. As we monitor the world, now even our own third or oxygen, then Marav. Shachtin. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.